The Smiley J Artist Zone podcast is an engaging and insightful platform designed to celebrate and explore the world of artistry in all its forms. Hosted by Smiley J, a passionate advocate for the arts, this podcast offers a vibrant and inclusive space where artists from various disciplines can share their experiences, insights, and creative journeys. Listeners can expect a diverse range of topics discussed on the podcast from artist interviews, their creative process, and other fun questions for those inquiring musical minds. Bestbookbits.com presents The Talent Code. Greatness isn't born, it's grown. Here's how by Daniel Cole. What is the secret of talent? How do we unlock it? In this groundbreaking work, journalist and New York Times bestselling author Daniel Cole provides parents, teachers, coaches, business people, and everyone else with tools they can use to maximize potential in themselves and others. Whether you're coaching soccer or teaching a child to play the piano, writing a novel or trying to improve your golf swing, this revolutionary book shows you how to grow talent by tapping into newly discovered brain mechanisms. Drawing on cutting-edge neurology and first-hand research gathered on journeys to nine of the world's talent hotbeds, from the baseball fields of the Caribbean to a classical music academy in upstate New York. Cole identifies the three key elements that will allow you to develop your gifts and optimize your performance in sports, art, music, math, or just about anything. Deep Ignition Master Coaching. The written summary can be found on our website, bestbookbits.com. So without further ado, I bring in the book summary of The Talent Code. You'll become clever through your mistakes, German proverb. Expecting fools, men do not differ much in intellect, only in zeal and hard work. Charles Darwin. A teacher affects eternity. He can never tell where his influence stops. Henry Brooks Adams. Skill is a cellular insulation that wraps neural circuits and that grows in response to certain signals. The more time and energy you put into the right kind of practice, the longer you stay in the deep learning zone. Firing the right signals through your circuits, the more skill you get. Two list of words, column A, words are complete. Column B, they are missing an obvious letter, but super easy to figure out. You'll remember three times as many more words in column B, the ones that contain fragments. It's as if, in those few seconds, your memory skills suddenly sharpen. When you encounter the words with blank spaces, something both in perpetual and profound happens. You stopped. You stumbled ever so briefly, then figured it out. You experienced a microsecond of struggle, and that microsecond made all the difference. You didn't practice harder when you looked at column B. You practiced deeper. Deep practice is built on a paradox, struggling in certain targeted ways, operating at the edges of your ability. Where you make mistakes makes you smarter. Where you make mistakes makes you smarter. Experiences where you're forced to slow down, make errors, and correct them. Group A studied the paper for four sessions. Group B studied only once, but was tested three times. A week later, both groups were tested, and Group B scored 50% higher than Group A. That studied one-fourth as much, yet learned far more. Capture failure and turn it into skill. Capture failure and turn it into skill. The trick is to choose a goal just beyond your present abilities. The fight simulator prohibited pilots to practice more deeply, to stop, struggle, make errors, and learn from them. During a few hours in a flight simulator, a pilot could take off and land a dozen times on instruments. He could dive, stall, and recover, spending hours 
inhabiting the sweet spot at the edge of his capabilities in ways he could never risk in an actual plane. Brazilian soccer is different from the rest of the world because Brazil employs the sporting equivalent of a flight simulator. Futsal compresses soccer essential skills into a small box. It places players inside a deep practice zone, making and correcting errors, constantly generating solutions to vivid problems. We'll define talent in its strictest sense, the possession of repeatable skills that don't depend on physical size. The more we fire a particular circuit, the more myelin optimizes that circuit, and the stronger, faster, and more fluent our movements and thoughts become. The best way to build a good circuit is to fire it, attend to mistakes, then fire it again over and over. This requires immense energy and time. If you don't love it, you'll never work hard enough to be great. If you don't love it, you'll never work hard enough to be great. The more we develop a skill circuit, the less we're aware that we're using it. We're built to make skills automatic, to stash them in our unconscious mind. The process is called automacity. The more the nerves fire, the more myelin wraps around it. The more myelin wraps around it, the faster the signals travel, increasing velocities up to 100 times over signals sent through an uninsulated fiber. Struggle is not optional, it's neurologically required. In order to get your skill circuit to fire optimally, you must by definition fire the circuit suboptimally. You must make mistakes and pay attention to those mistakes. You must slowly teach your circuit. You must also keep firing that circuit, i.e. practicing, in order to keep myelin functioning properly. Deep practice is assisted by the attainment of a primal state, one where we are attentive, hungry, and focused, even desperate. How the human cardiovascular system actually works, that we can improve it by targeting our aerobic or anaerobic systems, that we can strengthen our heart and muscles by pushing ourselves to operate at the outer edges of our abilities lifting a slightly heavier weight, or trying to run a slightly farther distance. Expertise is the result of around 10,000 hours of committed practice. 10,000 hours of committed practice. Erickson called this process deliberate practice and defined it as working on technique, seeking constant critical feedback, focusing ruthlessly on shoring up weaknesses. Some have an innate, obsessive desire to improve what psychologists Alan Winner calls the rage to master. But these sorts of self-driven deep practices are rare and are blazingly self-evident. The great Renaissance artists had one thing in common. They all spent thousands of hours inside a deep practice hothouse, firing and optimizing circuits, correcting errors, competing and improving skills. Breastfed babies have higher IQs because the fatty acids in breast milk are the building blocks of myelin. This is why the FDA recently approved the addition of omega-3 fatty acids to infant formula, and also why eating fish, which is rich in fatty acids, has been linked to lowered risk of memory loss, dementia, and Alzheimer's disease. Thinking that talent comes from genes and environment is like thinking that cookies come from sugar, flour, and butter. Whatever circuits are fired most, and most urgently, are the ones where the installers will go. Skill circuits that are fired often will receive more broadband. Skills that are fired less often, with less urgency, will receive less broadband. Chess masters are not seeing individual chess pieces, but recognizing patterns. Where novices see a scattered alphabet of individual pieces, masters group those letters into chess equivalent of words, sentences, and paragraphs. 
Skill consists of identifying important elements and then grouping them in a meaningful framework, chunking. In the talent hotbeds I visited, the chunking takes place in three dimensions. Number one, they look at the task as a whole, as one big chunk, the mega circuit. Number two, they divide it into the smallest possible chunks. Three, they play with time, slowing the action down, then speeding it up to learn its inner architecture. Absorb a picture of skill until you can imagine yourself doing it. Meadowmount Music School founder Ivan Gladderman, in seven weeks, most students will learn a year's worth of material and increase of about 500% in learning speed. Teachers take the idea of chunking to its extreme. Students scissor each measure of their sheer music sheet in horizontal strips, which are stuffed into envelopes and pulled out in random order. They go on to break those strips into smaller fragments by altering rhythms. If a passerby can recognize a song being played, it's not being practiced correctly. If it is possible to judge ability solely by the way people describe the way they practice. Researchers Zipperman and Kitz Santis gathered volleyball players and asked them how they approached the serve, their goals, planning, strategy choices, self-monitoring, and adaptation. 12 measures in all. Using the answers, they predicted the players' relative skill levels. Then they had players execute their serve to test the accuracy of their predictions. 90% of the variation in skill could be accounted for by the players' answers. Experts practice differently and far more strategically when they fail. They don't blame it on luck or themselves. They have a strategy they can fix. Causing skill to evaporate. Just stop a skilled person from systematically firing his or her circuit for a mere 30 days. There seems to be a universal limit for how much deep practice human beings can do in a day. Erickson's research shows that most world-class experts, including pianists, chess players, novelists, and athletes, practice between three and five hours a day, no matter what the skill they pursue. A course called How to Practice, taught by Sky Carmen, the point is to get a balanced point where you can sense the errors when they come. To avoid the mistakes, first you have to feel them immediately. The sweet spot, that productive, uncomfortable terrain located just beyond our current abilities, where our reach exceeds our grasp. Deep practice is not simply about struggling, it's about seeking out a particular struggle, which involves a cycle of distinct actions. Pick a target, reach for it. Evaluate the gap between the target and the reach. Return to step one. To get good, it's helpful to be willing or even enthusiastic about being bad. Other hotbeds followed the same pattern. A breakthrough success is followed by a massive bloom of talent. After Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile, 17 others did too. The 17 runners had received a clear signal. You can do this. The moments that led us to say, that is who I want to be. Tess compared new musicians who saw themselves as in it for the long term, versus just trying it. With the same amount of practice, the long-term commitment group outperformed the short-term commitment group by 400%. The long-term commitment group, with a mere 20 minutes of weekly practice, progressed faster than the short-termers who practiced for an hour and a half. When long-term commitment combined with higher levels of practice, skills skyrocketed. It's all about their perception of self. It's all about their perception of self. 
at some point very early on, they had a crystallizing experience that brings the idea to the fore. That says, I am a musician. That idea is like a snowball rolling downhill. A vision of their ideal future selves, a vision that orientated, energized, and accelerated progress, and that originated in the outside world. Being highly motivated, when you think about it, is slightly an irrational state. One forges comfort now in order to work toward some bigger prospective benefit later on. It's not as simple as saying, I want X. It's saying something far more complicated. I want X later, so I better do Y like crazy right now. We speak of motivation as if it's a rational assessment of cause and effect, but in fact, it's closer to a bet. If we're in a nice, easy, pleasant environment, we naturally shut off effort. Why work? But if people get the signal that it's rough, they get motivated now. A nice, well-kept tennis academy gives them the luxury future right now. Of course, they'd be demotivated. They can't help it. Ignition is determined by simple if-then propositions, with the then part always the same. Better get busy. See someone you want to become. Better get busy. Want to catch up with a desirable group? Better get busy. Losing a parent is a primal cue. You are not safe. You don't have to be a psychologist to appreciate the massive outpouring of energy that can be created by a lack of safety. Curico grew talent because the message of Jones' success was translated and amplified in a reliable combination of primal cues. Frank Curiel Field, after all, only looks like a beat-up baseball diamond. It is, in fact, a million-watt antenna, steadily transmitting a powerful stream of signals and images that add up to a thrilling whisper, hey, that could be you. Half of the kids were praised for their intelligence, you must be smart at this, and half were praised for their effort, you must have worked really hard. The praised for effort group improved their initial score by 30%, while the praised for intelligence group score declined by 20%, all because of six short words. The teachers and coaches I met were quiet, even reserved. They were mostly older, many had been teaching 30 or 40 years. They possess the same sort of gaze, steady, deep, unblinking. They listened far more than they talked. They seemed allergic to giving pep talks or inspiring speeches. They spent most of their time offering small, targeted, highly specific adjustments. They had an extraordinary sensitivity to the person they were teaching, customizing each message to the student's personality. Sang needed more emotion, so Jensen turned into a heaped-up cheerleader. Delphos needed a learning strategy, so Jensen turned into a Zen master. He didn't only tell them what to do, he became what they should do, communicating the goal with gesture, tone, rhythm, and gaze. The signals were targeted, concise, unmissable, and accurate. Coach Wooden observes noted 2,326 discrete acts of teaching. Of them, a mere 6.9% were compliments. Only 6.6% were expressions of displeasure. But 75% were pure information. What to do, how to do it, when to intensify an activity. One of Wooden's most frequent forms of teaching was a three-part instruction where he modeled the right way to do something, showed the incorrect way, and then remodeled the right way. 
Rules of learning. Explanation. Demonstration. Imitation. Correction. And repetition. Don't look for big, quick improvement. Seek the small improvement one day at a time. That's the only way it happens. And when it happens, it lasts. He wrote in the wisdom of Wooden. The importance of repetition until automaticity cannot be overstated. He said in you haven't taught until they have learned. Good coaches help the right circuit to fire as often as possible. Baby brain DVDs don't work because they don't create deep practice. In fact, they actively prevent it by taking up the time that could be used for firing circuits. The Shyness Clinic founder Philip Zimmerbard We believe that people are shy not because they lack social skills, but because they haven't practiced them sufficiently. Talking on the phone or asking someone on a date is a learnable skill, like a tennis forehand. The key is that people have to linger in that uncomfortable area, learn to tolerate the anxiety. If you practice, you can get to the level you want. Neurosis is just a high-class word for whining, he said. The trouble with most therapy is that it helps you feel better, but you don't get better. You have to back it up with action, action, action. And that's a wrap on The Talent Code. Subscribe to our channel and take a look at the hundreds of book summaries uploaded previously. To find hundreds of written summaries, check out our website, bestbookbits.com. And for hundreds of audio podcast summaries, find us on mixcloud.com forward slash bestbookbits. If you want to get involved in our channel and assist in sharing knowledge, connect with myself by dropping me an email at info at bestbookbits.com. Thanks for watching and listening, and I hope you got something from The Talent Code. Have a great day.